Let's open our Bibles to Genesis 37 tonight. That is page 92 in my Bible. But mine's got the really big print, so. Genesis 37. Let's begin with verse 1. the story of Joseph and what happens to him. Uh, One of my favorite Old Testament characters. Of course, I say that about every one I read about. My favorite book is always the one I currently am reading. Uh, Genesis 37.1 says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. And then it starts off with Joseph. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhi and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report on them to his father. <clears throat> now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that the fa- their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him. And could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream. And he told it to his brothers. And they hated him even more. So he said to them. Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field. And then behold my sheaf arose. And also stood upright. And indeed your sheaves stood all around. And bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I've dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So they told it to his father. And his brothers and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come and bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him. But his father kept the matter in mind. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. He said to him, please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. A certain man found him there as he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, what are you seeking? He said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding the flocks. And the man said, they have departed from here. For I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. Reuben heard it and delivered them out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood. But cast him into this pit which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. 
came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers, they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. They took him and cast him in a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. They sat down to eat a meal. They lifted up their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on the way to carry them to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let our hand uh, be upon him, for let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother in our flesh, and his brothers listened. And then the Midianite traders, also called the Ishmaelites, passed by. And so the brothers pulled Joseph out of the tomb, out of the pit, sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. Let's pray. Father God, it is good to be in your house. It's good to be among your people. Just guide us and direct us to a study of your word. Help us take the word, your word, and apply it to our lives. And Father, let us grow from it and be better Christians because of it. And Lord, we know this is done by your power and according to your will. So we'll give you all the uh, glory that you deserve. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Leonard Holtz was uh, sort of one of those fellows that you just thought was one of the good guys. Uh, He uh, was well involved in his community. Uh, He had worked at the same Pennsylvania paper mill for 19 years. He was a Boy Scout leader. He was an affectionate father, member of the local fire brigade. He was a regular tender of church. He was admired in his community as being one of the good guys. Until that day, that day in October, when his image was shattered. That day when Leonard Holt, Uh, walked in with two pistols in his coat and began uh, to shoot people at the mill. More than 30 shots, killed some men he'd known for over 15 years. Uh, He snarled in the doorway when the police found him saying, come and get me. He said, I'm going to take more of you than you're going to get me. Bewilderment swept their community. As they began to investigate, They found out that Leonard, down deep, was resentful. He'd been passed over by promotions. There were community awards that he felt he should have won. And different things of that nature had built up into him until he was responsible, respectable, and very, very resentful. And he was eaten up with what I would describe as bitterness. So how are we supposed to have how are we supposed to deal with bitterness either when it happens to us or we're confronted with it from others? Joseph's story is really about how to deal with that kind of bitterness. See, bitterness can be a poison to our spiritual lives, and we must avoid bitterness at all cost. And so We're going to look and just see a few things about uh, bitterness, keeping score, uh, holding a grudge, whatever you want to call it, and how Christians are supposed to handle it. So let's look at this. First of all, in verses 3 and 4, when we face rancor, we must choose to forgive. Rancor is hostility to the extreme. Rancor is anger. 
Rancor is. Jealousy. Rancor is those things that are all evil and all vile. And when we face that, we have to choose to forgive. See, there's an explanation here. See, a wise preacher once told me that the same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. And I thought, that's a little pessimistic. But after living a little while, I figured out what he meant. That each circumstance of life, that each uh, difficulty we presented with, we have a choice. We become better or we become bitter. And we decide the outcome of that, no matter what the situation. And it's the same thing that happens. And you know it and I know it. We'll watch people go through some hard things. Some come out on one end smiling and looking more godly. Some come out and you can't only recognize them. The pain in their face, the resentment in their heart. They didn't deserve this. God's not fair. God doesn't love them. And it's the same situation repeated around our land on a daily basis. Well, the example for that is Joseph. See, when you feel that rancor, that resentment of other people, we have to choose to forgive. Joseph experienced it. With his brothers. See he goes on down here and it says. That they hated him so much. They couldn't even speak to him peaceably. In other words in public. They didn't hide it. They resented him. They hated him so much. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Is the way we had said in our day. And they hated him for that. And yet by the end of his life. We know that God uses all this. Uh, to raise him up. To save a nation. And he, as he looks there at his brothers at the end of the story, and the ones who had sold him into slavery, who had ruined his dreams, supposedly, who had taken this dreamer and cast him in a pit to die, who had sold him into slavery, and he forgave them. They were so worried about it after their daddy died. They said, oh, dad's dead now. He'll get even with us. And he said, what you did for evil, God meant for good. He chose to forgive. You see, if you haven't experienced it, you will. Somebody's going to be jealous of you or your family. Somebody's going to talk ill. Somebody's going to be angry for no apparent reason. Somebody's going to resent you in our dog and eat dog society Everybody's trying to get ahead, and they don't care if they step on you. And sometimes they think it's unfair because they think you've stepped on them. But when you're presented with that, you have to choose what to do. Does it get to you, or do you forgive? Do I let it ruin my day, or do I pray for that person and honestly forgive them from my heart? You see... We need to remember what the Apostle Paul told us in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read it for you. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 31 and 32. He says this. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender hearted. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. 
See, we have to. I have to. You have to. We're going to experience those pains and those bitter, bitterness and different things from other people, whether it's fair or not. It may even not be fair to us or worse, not fair to our family. And we have to choose whether it be bitter or better. To forgive and be free or to hold a grudge and be killed hostage. And we have to decide that. Can you imagine Joseph walking around in that tunic of many colors, thinking he's going to come to his brothers and tell them what for, and maybe give a bad report. You, you realize earlier he'd given them a bad report. That just means he was a little tattletale. Okay? And then suddenly they grab you, hollering, screaming at your face, strip the coat off and put you in a pit, throw you into a well that fortunately was dry and not full of snakes. What he must have been wondering, where did this come from? God, why did you let this happen? But in the end, he chose to forgive. The second thing is in verses 26 and 27, and we need to read that. Uh, <clears throat> It says, then the Midianite traders passed up, uh, passed by. He pulled him out, Joseph up, lifted him to the pit, sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took him to Egypt. Uh, Reuben returned, okay, and, and it says that, uh, what shall I do? And they took his tunic and, and they dipped it in blood. And they go and tell his daddy he died. And Joseph is on his way because they've sold him as a slave to Egypt where they're going to sell him again. See, here's the point, too. When we face rejection, we have to realize we're accepted. Now, that seems to be a misnomer, something that's not quite right. When we face rejection, we have to realize we're accepted. Here's what I mean. Remember the person. You see, we choose, but the choice has to be realized and made realizing that God our Father ultimately accepts us because of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us. You see, too often we're trying to please this person or that person or society. We're worried what this one thinks, what that one thinks. And, and you know, I could say don't worry about that, but you do want to have a good name in your community. You do want to be well-known at work for a hard worker, things of that nature. But realize that ultimately, if everybody else rejects us, if everybody turns away from us, God himself said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God himself says, you were important enough that I sent my son to die on a cross for your sins, for my sins. Now that's acceptance. Jesus knew all about rejection. Do you remember how much he was rejected? <laughs> it's one of the worst pains in the world. He came to the very people who were supposed to looking for the Messiah, and they hated him. And they couldn't speak civilly to him. They tried to trap him. They talked and called him vile names. Uh, in the end, they spat upon him, plucked his beard, put a pound of corn thorns on him, beat him with a cat of nine tails, hung him on a tree to die. He knew all about rejection. The very people whom his father had loved so much and provided for so much turned their back. That is what you call pain. 
You see, Joseph knew that pain. His own brothers rejected him enough to sell him into a life of slavery. I mean, maybe because of his arrogance and telling him the dreams, they should have beat his tail pretty good. Maybe he needed a spanking being the daddy's favorite. Maybe they should have bruised him up a little bit. I mean, brothers do that to each other, you know, get the hostility out. Just line him up and say, there's 11 of us or 10 at that time because Benjamin wasn't old enough. There's 10 of us and one of you, you're going to lick all of us or we're going to whip you. But to sell him into slavery, to hate him so much that you wanted him to have no hope for the rest of his life till he died, he would be a slave. That is rejection. Well, if you haven't realized it, Joseph, as he went through what he went through, had to keep remembering that his father loved him, that God must have something special for him because he had had all those strange dreams as he sold first to Potiphar and then unjustly accused of of trying something with Potiphar's wife and then sold into the prison and ultimately risen from the prison to the right hand of Pharaoh. The dreams came about. But you see, when you look around, I want you to understand why churches have problems. Look around. You're not looking around. Okay? The church is full of people who experience rejection on a weekly basis. And we have to choose how to handle rejection. And I hope that when we experience that pain and that sorrow from being rejected, I mean, who wants to be rejected? That's awful. That we realize that our Father still loves us. We're accepted in Jesus Christ. Again, Another New Testament passage we need to remember. You'll know this when I read it. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15. The writer of Hebrews says this. Says looking carefully. Lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this many become defiled. You can't be bitter towards somebody and hold grudges for somebody and not forgive somebody and be right with your father. It's not possible. You know, it, it reminds me of two deacons, and they fought about everything. It didn't matter what it was. It was so frustrating. If this one was for it, this one was against it. If this one was for it, that one was against it. And they fought and they fought. They fought before I was a pastor. They fought after I was their pastor. Until finally the church split 60-40. One group started another church. Neither one is doing well now. Because those two men still are bitter. Those two men still feel rejected. Those two men rejected one another. So we can't be guilty of rejecting folks. You see... Those two guys never realized they were accepted and respected by the church and until they caused so much problem, even in the community. We need to realize that we're accepted, that people are watching us. And they want to see how we handle when somebody tries to reject us. And we need to ask ourselves, how do we handle that? Do we realize God always loves us? Do we realize there are others who still accept us? 
Do we have that firm foundation that says, even if everybody rejects me for you, Lord, I will stand? Joseph had to do that. I don't know how you would have been. After the way the brothers treated him, if I'd been the most powerful person other than Pharaoh in all of Egypt, they would have all gone to prison for a little while just to get a taste of what it was like. Or they would have been my slaves and had to bow and scrape and wash my feet. But that would be vindictive and bitter. Okay? That would not have been godly or holy. And we have to decide how are we going to react when we face rejection. Then, way over in Genesis chapter 50, look at me at verses 15 through 21. We've been talking about it. Chapter 50, beginning with verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. They realized what they did was pure evil. So they sent messages to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of your servants of uh, the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face and said, Behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring about as it is to this day to save many people alive. Now therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Do you see the drastic difference between a young, arrogant guy bragging about his uh, dreams and what God was going to do with him and a guy who treated him kindly and lovingly? A guy who had been through the mill? You see, that's the third point. See, when we face that rancor, that anger, we must choose to forgive. And when we face rejection, we must realize that we really are accepted by our God. And the final thing is this. When we face ruin... We must look for opportunity. Again, we're either bitter or better. No matter what comes in life, uh, there's an old saying that says every cloud has a silver lining. And I've heard people say, that's not true. But it really is. You see, God promised us that. In Romans 8, and you know it, 28 and 29, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are Called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You see, when we face ruin, we have to look for the opportunity. Our God is the God of second chances. Our God is a God who takes disappointment and turns them into joy. Our God is the God who said, I'm always going to work for you and for your good if you are called according to my purpose and you love me. You see, sometimes we have disappointment, sorrow, maltreatment, unfairness for three lifetimes. 
And yet this started at an early age for Joseph, yet his attitude was one of gratitude. He, his disappointment turned into God's appointment. God took something that was horrid in his life. It got worse before it got better. But in the end, God had his way. And we need to ask, do we have that attitude of gratitude? He had a choice for what happened. You see, he could recount everything that had happened. Uh, He went from the favored one to the slave. From the favored slave to the prison. From the worst part of the prison to Pharaoh's second in command. All because God had a plan. You see, we need to ask, do we realize God has a plan? God had to interrupt his life as a teenager, 17 years old when all this happened. A lot of people would have been broken. A lot of people would have been in a lot of problem because of what happened to Joseph. But he chose to love God and be faithful to God through the midst of all this that happened to him. To look for the opportunity of where God was leading him and what God was doing in his life. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I don't want anybody looking around. You see, bitterness is a poison to our spiritual lives and we have to avoid it. For some, that means choosing what God said to do. It means surrendering our hurts, our disappointments, surrendering any little ill will or grudges we have towards people. It means that we really need to get it right. That we choose to live a life of Christian joy rather than a life of bitterness because of our circumstances. Am I making light of what happens to people? No. Many experience terrible, terrible things. But we have to choose how we respond to those things. We have to choose what happens to us. Tonight, if you need to, you need to choose to surrender those burdens. At the altar of God. Some need to choose to forgive somebody. Who's been awful to them. Some need to quit nurturing bitterness. And let God nurture joy. Maybe you need to come for salvation. Because you never accepted Christ. Maybe you need to come and join this church. Because you know this is where God wants you. A baptism letter statement. Maybe you need to come in rededication. It's not that you hate anybody. It's just you don't feel very warm towards them anymore. And you know the relationship is growing cold. And deep down, way deep down, there's a hurt there that's caused that. That you need God to put salve on and heal. Father God, this is your time. It's holy time. It's serious time. You are here to deal with each of us. Father, I know how you've dealt in my life with this and how you continue to do it. And I ask you not to stop. I don't want to be bitter. I want to be better. And I know our congregation feels that way also. So have your way with us. Give us courage in this invitation time to do exactly what you want us to do. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.